Well, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, uh, B-Song and Johanna. Thank you guys so much for singing to us. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you guys here on Facebook or YouTube or however you're streaming. Uh, we are thankful that you guys are here with us this morning. And Merry Christmas to you all. And my name is Josh. I'm the preaching pastor here at Living Waters. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open that up to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 is where we're going to be this morning. And as you open to Isaiah 7, I just want to give a friendly reminder that we will be doing Christmas caroling tonight. Actually, this afternoon, 4.30 p.m., we will meet at the Indianola Heights Christian Church parking lot. And we will go out in four different groups throughout the community, uh, singing to our elderly in our church, plus uh, some community homes that we have tagged and uh, we're excited about that. So if you want to make a joyful noise and you want to sing and bring some uh, Christmas joy to some people, um, yeah, just come out this afternoon, 4.30, Christmas caroling. Also, special note of thanks to Adam Nordiker, uh, Living Waters Fellowship member. Adam Nordiker is making lattes and espressos, and uh, he's doing that right now, actually, at the AMC Theater Lobby. And uh, we are really excited for our 10 a.m. service there at AMC. And uh, yeah, Adam is uh, a really cool guy. He made his own coffee cart. And I asked him if he would bring his coffee cart to Christmas service. He said yes. And so we will be blessed by espressos and lattes. And if you're staying home this morning and streaming service, you can, uh, you can I don't know if Adam does orders, in-home orders. You can always ask. And uh, we're really thankful for Adam. And so... Uh, we're really grateful for God's Word. We're going to read it together, and we're going to dig into what should be a great Christmas message today, and we're very thankful that you've joined the stream. So let's uh, open up to Isaiah 7. We'll read verses 10 through 15, pray, and dig into God's Word together. Starting in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together and dig in. Father, thank you so much for this morning, this opportunity, this, uh, this gift from your hand to be in your truth, in your word centered around your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so thankful for the incarnation of Jesus. We are so thankful that Jesus, being very God, came and took on flesh and entered into our world to bring salvation to all who will put their faith in him. And so, God, we're very thankful for Christmas. We're so thankful for Christmas time, even in a very different year, God, you remain the same. Your promises remain the same. Christmas remains the same. No one can take our celebration away from us, celebrating our Lord Jesus. 
And we pray that you would speak to us now through your truth in Isaiah 7. May it penetrate our hearts. May we listen to you. May we be quick to give you the glory for all that you are saying to us. And uh, we pray that you would do all these things for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we approach Isaiah 7, uh, the nation of Judah was in really, really big trouble. Uh, the nations of Syria and Israel had, had made a pact at the beginning of chapter 7 to make war on Judah and specifically the city of Jerusalem. So they were surrounding the city of Jerusalem with, uh, with, with armies and there was rumors of war. There was rumors of an attack on the holy city of Jerusalem. And in fact, uh, King Ahaz, who was on the throne of Judah at that time, he was scared. And you can read that in verse 2. It says, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of all the people shook as the trees in the forest shakes before the wind. So everybody's scared in Judah uh, because Syria and Israel are formidable opponents and Ahaz does not trust in God and he's a wicked king. We'll get to him in just a bit. But all the nation, all the nation of Judah, the city of Jerusalem, everybody's trembling in fear because they are afraid of the attack that is coming. So Ahaz is a wicked king and you can read about all of his exploits in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, and I would encourage you to read that chapter of scripture. Um, Ahaz was spiritually compromised. He was full of fear. He was full of idol worship, and he was very political. Um, he was so political that instead of calling out to God in this crisis, Ahaz um, was in the process of literally selling his soul to the nation of Assyria. Um, in order to get some military support so that he could fend off of his enemies. So he was really political. He was very compromised, full of fear. And God sent a prophet to Ahaz. And his name was Isaiah. God sent Isaiah and his son to go meet with Ahaz um, during this stressful time. And Isaiah brought good news of great joy. And that, that good news is found in verse 7 and in verse 8. It says, Thus says the Lord, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim shall be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. So Isaiah is saying to Ahaz, in, in a sense, if you just trust God, if you just have faith, God will deliver you from your enemies, Syria and Israel. You don't need Assyria. You don't need this, this ungodly um, compromise in your life. Trust in God. He'll deliver you. And uh, verse 9 might be a good memory verse for you as a Christian to um, take home with you this week and say, you know, I'm going to memorize Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9. If you're not firm in faith, you're not firm at all. And how true is that in our lives today? If we're not firm in our faith in God, we're not firm at all in any areas of our life. And um, that was the message that was given to Ahaz. You have this opportunity, you have a choice. In fact, God went even further than that. God in verse 11 told Ahaz, ask for a sign, Ahaz. You just tell me a sign. 
It can be as high as heaven above. It can be as low as the earth beneath. You can ask for any sign that you want to from me. Just ask and I will deliver you, right? So, so this is a really big deal that God is being so gracious to a very wicked man named Ahaz. And he says, just ask me for a sign. And by the way, throughout scripture, signs are always the way that God communicates his loving grace to his people. Um, think about Abraham's ram in the thicket that showed up at the very last moment. It was a sign from God that he didn't need to put to death his son Isaac. Uh, think about Jacob's stairway to heaven dream. Um, it's, it's a lot more than an old rocker song. It was an actual vision and a sign from God that Jacob saw. And it was a, it was a time where he d discovered Bethel, like the, God, the, the reality of God's presence with him. Um, consider Gideon's fleece, where Gideon, on the eve of, of attacking his enemies, he asked God to show him whether or not um, God was going to deliver them or not, and, and uh, God used the fleece as a sign. How about Elisha's floating axe in, in the Old Testament? That was also another sign. And think about the Magi and their star, right? We've seen a star and we've come to worship God. The star was the sign from God that the Magi used to believe. And, and also the shepherds, they had the angels, right, show up in the sky. And the angels said, this will be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So just consider that God often graciously steps into our lives and he says, ask for a sign. And he was saying that to Ahaz, ask me for a sign. Ahaz, in false humility and great pride and wickedness, he proudly tells Isaiah and God, I won't put the Lord to the test. Verse 12 is where you can see that. I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. Now, it sounds like humility, but it's just humility disguised as great pride. This man was so compromised. He was so spiritually not walking with God, not trusting in God, that he wasn't in any condition in his soul and in his mind to believe God's promises. So he just pushes it off. And like many people today, Ahaz embraced the belief, you just fake it till you make it. And he's just like, well, I'm just going to fake it and just pretend humility. And um, basically, uh, his heart was entangled in other places. He already had his ideas of how God was going to, you know, well, how he was going to deliver Israel. He already had his ideas of how Judah was going to be rescued. And he didn't need God. He had Assyria. And so upon hearing Ahaz's refusal to walk by humble faith, Isaiah gets super upset. And Isaiah, acting as the mouthpiece of God, reflects God's anger over Ahaz's unbelief. Um, just, just a note at home. If you have God approach you in grace and ask you for a sign and, and say, hey, I'm willing to help you, and you refuse because you think you know better than God, you can guarantee, take it to the bank, that God will respond with anger. And, uh, you know, when God offers graciously his hand and you refuse it, it's a, it's a scary thing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 says that our God is a consuming fire. And God rebukes the wicked King Ahaz by saying, you've been burdening your people now with wicked leadership. And are you going to weary God as well? That's in verse 13. And um, 
it's almost like God just gets to this place where he's just so frustrated and so, so unbelievably angry with Ahaz that he's going to intervene, he's going to step in, he's going to provide, and uh, it basically that is the, the centerpiece of Isaiah's prophecy in verse 14. Therefore, God himself will give you a sign. Ahaz, you don't want to ask for a sign? God himself will give you a sign, and a virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. And so, so all of a sudden, God is stepping in and saying, I will provide salvation for Judah, and I will provide salvation for my people. God is 100% committed to keeping his promises for the sake of his great name. You might remember Isaiah or, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 where God, he didn't have any higher authority to promise Abraham, so he made a promise to Abraham by the goodness of his own self. And uh, God will come down in Isaiah 7, and he will save mankind from their wicked pride and sin. And God will come down to save by sending Emmanuel in verse 14, which means God with us. And I think that's the first point of the message this morning is that Emmanuel comes down because of sin and for salvation. Emmanuel comes down because of sin for salvation. Salvation is mankind's greatest need. I don't know if you knew that, but salvation is what we need the most as human sinners. Um, Filling our lives with idol worship and compromise and fear and politics like Ahaz is a great danger to our souls and to our society as a whole. And uh, by the way, if we're, if we're like Ahaz this morning, if we are compromised and walking in fear and full of, full of um, idol worship and full of obsession over politics and all these things, we're probably not going to be in a good position to walk by faith and make decisions that please God. Um, it's the hard reality of the human soul the human sinful soul, is that left to our own sinful desires, we will walk away from God 10 out of 10 times. Um, If we're given the choice, we will be just like Ahaz. And if we have the opportunity, we won't seek God, we won't seek prayer, we won't seek faith, we won't seek humility. It's our sin nature to be lost, and it's, it's our sin nature to, humanly speaking, um, say no to God when he, when he offers salvation. And that's why God has to intervene by sending Emmanuel. Uh, like the rock band ACDC says, we are on a highway to hell. And this is never more evident than, than Isaiah chapter 7. Um, when Adam and Eve sinned, God promised that he would save humanity through Emmanuel. Genesis 3.15, it's called the Proto-Evangelium or First Gospel. In the middle of Adam and Eve's rebellion and sin, God immediately provides salvation, or at least an opportunity for salvation. And then that's why Emmanuel was prophesied about, and that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. You can look it up. Jesus came to seek sinners and to save sinners. And, and that is a good thing because if he didn't come, we would be totally content to just run away from him in our own sin and pride. So this is what Christmas is all about. 
Um, you might hear Charlie Brown say, what is Christmas all about anyway? Well, it's all about God coming. It's all about God arriving. It's all about God sending Emmanuel to a stressed out, fearful, and lost humanity. And that's what we need the most. We need salvation from sins and eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, in, in, the, in today's world, we live in a day of tremendous idolatry. We live in a culture where spiritual compromise is normal, where being consumed with politics is normal. We live in a place where drug dependence is normal. We live in a world where materialism is normal. We live in a culture where comfort at all cost is normal. We live in a culture where our hearts, just like King Ahaz, we are lost, and that is why God had to send Emmanuel to us, to save us from our sins. Listen very closely to me. Jesus didn't come to be one of many Christmas presents. Jesus came to be the Christmas present. He's not one of many presents under your tree. He is the present of Christmas. And so he came to save sinners. And my question to you this morning is, has he saved you yet? Has he saved your Ahaz heart yet? Um, not only would Emmanuel come to save, and rally would he come because of sin and salvation, but Emmanuel would also come through a miraculous sign, a virgin birth. You can see this in verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. <clears throat> the virgin birth of Emmanuel is absolutely impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And if you're, if you're listening this morning as a cynic of Christianity, you're kind of skeptical of the message of Christianity, you might be saying in your heart, that's impossible. A virgin giving birth to a son? That, that cannot happen. Okay? An orthodox Christian response to that is, you're exactly right. Okay? We believe as Christians in the impossible. This is an impossible, humanly speaking, this is an impossible reality. A virgin giving birth to the Son of God, that is an impossibility. And that is exactly what Christians are saying. That's exactly what we're saying this morning, is that we believe in a miracle. We believe that God indwelt a, a virgin womb and, and caused a baby to be conceived, and that baby was Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. And that is an impossibility, but that is the reality. In the short term, it's cloudy as to whether uh, the prophecy was immediately fulfilled for Ahaz and Judah. In fact, I think there's probably dozens of interpretations of, of what happened within Ahaz's lifespan in Judah. Did it happen? And did, did, did a virgin conceive during that time? There's a lot of different realities. Here's the deal. We don't know. It's a little cloudy in the immediate context, but in the long haul, 700 years later in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, the apostle Matthew tells us that Jesus, his arrival from Mary's womb was the fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. Emmanuel is Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus, as Emmanuel, came through the virgin birth. In Luke chapter 1, 
Jesus' mother Mary displayed amazing grace and humility and faith um, in receiving an angel's message that she would be pregnant through God and give birth to the Savior of the world. Her response in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, it's also called her Magnificat, it is this amazing, beautiful evidence of her spiritual maturity, her humility, her receptiveness as a young woman to receive that angelic message and to be willing, and not only willing, but joyfully obedient to carry God and God's redemption in her womb is absolutely amazing to me. Now, calling all Protestants, all Protestants, listen up. Mary is not to be worshiped. I think we would all agree with that. But Mary should be appreciated during Christmas time for her amazing attitude, her reception of this angelic message, and her willingness to obey God no matter the cost. We should appreciate her. We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Just because we may not think Mary should be worshipped like that, we should appreciate her this Christmas season for her willingness um, to hold and carry baby Jesus. Um, the miraculous virgin birth also shows us the power of God's redemption. In Genesis 3, um, the, the woman Eve was seduced by Satan into sin, and now through Emmanuel, the woman Mary becomes the person to carry God in her body, Jesus, the God-man, who would bring redemption and forgiveness to all who would put their faith and trust in him and undo the curse of sin. How brilliant are God's plans? This is, this is absolutely amazing to me. Through a woman, sin came into the world. And now through a woman's womb, the redemption of the world has come. Christmas is all about these types of miracles. Um, not only did Emmanuel come down to the earth to save people from sin, he came down in the most miraculous and intimate way through a birth of a virgin. Emmanuel is um, a great mystery to us. And finally, the Savior of Judah and the Savior of the world, who's called Emmanuel, his name means God with us. Emmanuel it literally means that, that this Emmanuel who would come is fully God and fully man. Now, hear, hear this very clearly. Emmanuel is 100% God and 100% man. And he's both of those things at the exact same time. So Emmanuel, he, he comes to us with this amazing humanness and and meekness and humility and even limitations of body and flesh. But at the same time, Emmanuel possesses divine power and authority and majesty. Um, I want you to think through Jesus and his life. Consider Jesus at 12 years old, um, sitting among all the greatest scholars of Israel, and he's sitting among them as a 12-year-old and, and asking them questions and amazing them with his intellect. And then in the very next scene, in that, in that scene that is given to us, Jesus is submissive to Mary and Joseph as a 12-year-old kid. Now, I don't know what you were doing at 12. I know for me, I was, I was eating a lot of candy and playing a lot of Super Nintendo. That's what I was doing. 
I wasn't sitting with scholars from Princeton and Yale and Harvard and going back and forth about all the, all the huge ramifications of, of society and religion and economics. I wasn't doing that. I was playing Super Mario Brothers. Jesus Christ, fully man, submissive to his parents, and yet fully God, amazing us by standing with the greatest religious leaders of his day. Jesus Christ, you know, eating fish and drinking wine with his disciples and then disappearing out of the room in a moment because he's fully God and he can do that. He can bend space and time. Um, consider Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and also speaking sermons and words with the authority and the power of heaven. Consider Jesus who, who, who walked with normal people and spent time with normal average day people and yet in the middle of that he, he calmed the winds and the waves and he healed the most desperate diseases. Jesus is Emmanuel and that should make us stand in awe of him and worship him and give glory to him. Emmanuel being God with us is both amazing and disturbing. It's disturbing because um, if he is Emmanuel, God with us, it means that there's a new sheriff in town. It means that, that, that Emmanuel knows better than you. He's in charge. Um, Emmanuel is disturbing because um, he would come and he would say, well, you've heard of of old. You've heard this in the Old Testament, but I say unto you. And he would rewrite the law and the prophets and he would fulfill them. And, and Jesus is greater than Santa Claus because um, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake, right? Jesus is greater than Santa because he's Emmanuel. It's kind of disturbing to us because he sees us and he knows us. But Emmanuel is amazing because if we believe in him, he is with us. He is with us in every single thing. If he is with us, if he is truly Emmanuel, there's nothing that he won't be for us, there's nothing he won't do for us, and there's nothing he won't walk through with us. If Emmanuel is on our side, he will never leave us nor forsake us. If Emmanuel is on our side, he will say, Lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. If Emmanuel is on our side, he will then take flesh and dwell among us, and we will see his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Consider the words of Charles Spurgeon, who in 1854, at his Christmas service, preached these words about Emmanuel. He said, Put me in the desert, where vegetation does not grow, and still I can say, God with us. Put me in the wild ocean and let my ship dance madly on the waves. And even there, I would say, Emmanuel, God with us. Mount me on the sunbeam and let me fly above the western sea. And still, I would say, God with us. Let my body dive down into the depths of the ocean and let me hide in the caverns. Still, I could, as a child of God, say, Emmanuel, God with us. Indeed, and in the grave... Sleeping in the corruption, still I can see the footprints of Jesus. He trod the path of all of his people, and still his name is God with us. If you know Jesus this morning, God is with you. Jesus is with you. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. 
Emmanuel is God with us. And for those of you who don't know Jesus yet, you have not surrendered your life to Christ. You have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus yet. I tell you, he needs to become God, not with us, but God within us. Some of you need God within you this morning. Some of you have a huge hole in your heart this morning at Christmas time because Jesus the Emmanuel has not dwelt inside you yet. You haven't put your faith and trust in him yet. You haven't surrendered yet. You haven't repented yet. And if that's you, I just want to call out to you this morning and tell you that Emmanuel, if you would put your faith in Emmanuel, he will be pleased to dwell inside of you this morning. And if you do know Jesus as Emmanuel, you know him as your Savior, he is with us this morning. As we stream on the internet, he is with us now. Emmanuel is with us in this chaotic year called 2020. He is with us as we endure COVID. Emmanuel is with us as we experience the increased secularization of our culture. He is with us in that. He is with us as, as we see and embrace his promises in his word and through the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of us through salvation. Emmanuel is with us this morning. And Emmanuel is with us fully, and he will be with us fully and finally when Jesus splits the skies and returns and rules and reigns forever. He will be Emmanuel with us forever and always. Maranatha, Emmanuel. Merry Christmas to you all. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word in Isaiah 7. God, we know that our hearts are a lot like Ahaz, wicked, compromised, full of fear and doubt, political, obsessed with politics. And Lord, yet you call to us this morning and you say to us that we need to believe. We need to believe in your promises and we need to believe in Emmanuel who has come to rescue not only Judah, but to rescue our hearts this morning. And so, Lord, if there's anybody this, on this Christmas service Sunday who does not yet know Emmanuel in their hearts, I pray that this would be the morning that they believe in Jesus Christ. They confess their sins and they invite Emmanuel to come inside. And Lord, I pray that you would save people who are not saved. And Lord, for Christians, it's been a long year, God. And we are being tempted to just give in to all the things that would we think are solutions, human solutions to problems. Lord, we're tempted to just give up and give in to politics and materialism and comfort and, and, and all these compromises. But God, would you, would you bundle up Christians with strength this morning? And would you help them to remember that they have Emmanuel, God, with us inside of them? And would you encourage them to with joy and full expression say to themselves and to other people this morning, Emmanuel, God is with me. 
And Lord, may they go out with confidence. May you help us as Christians to go out with confidence this morning because Emmanuel is God with us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this live stream service. We love you so much. And uh, we can't wait to see you again. Hopefully it'll be sooner than later. God bless you. May you have a merry, merry Christmas. And we will talk to you soon. God willing.